Hello, listener, and welcome to a new episode of Monster Dear Monster, the podcast where me and my co-hosts talk about monsters across all media. Uh, with me today uh, is uh, good old Captain Dave. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Captain <laughs> Dave, huh? I like the sound of that. <laughs> Uh, and I am Leonard. Unfortunately, once again, we are sans Cameron. He has been spirited away by the. Uh, hmm, what? What? Do, is there any any kind of Australian? I don't know. He's not. He's not here to ask. I'm not sure. <laughs> he's, <laughs> I'm he's sure, a, he's... but I think I think it's more a case of uh, the. The Emperor of Mankind keeps calling him forth. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Um, That's fine. Yeah. We'll we'll make do somehow, one yeah. way or the other. Of course. Uh, and, um, as usual, uh, the first order of business today is the Yokai of the Week. Bum, 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 bum. All right, I believe we're uh, on letter I. That is correct. Today? Letter that I is correct. It's the letter of the All week. All right, and once again, as always, we are looking at the list of legendary creatures from Japan, uh, the Wikipedia uh, resource, and uh, as always, Dave, roll them. Eight. So let's see if this has an entry that's suitable. <laughs> uh, I think it's the Japanese Nessie, which may have something. Um, I'll click on it. Uh, it's too short. We won't do that. Too one. short. Sorry, Japanese Nessie fans. <laughs> so yeah, cryptozoologists. Too short of an entry. It's too cryptic um i will uh, i will re-initiate myself to uh well ibaraki doji let's see if this first one has this is fine we'll do this all right um so ibaraki doji uh is an oni Featuring in the tales featured in tales in the Heian period, um, it is based on Mount Oe and once went on a rampage in Kyoto. The Ibaraki in his name may refer to Ibaraki Osaka, and the Doji means child. But in this context, it is a demon offspring. Uh, Ibaraki Doji was the most important servant of Shuten Doji, which is a lord of the demons. Um, ah, um, and the we can. As for the birth, I'll just read this whole thing. As for the birthplace, <laughs> there are theories that it may be Sitsu province uh, or Ichigo province. Ibaraki Doji has had teeth since birth and was feared for being a giant. After he became an Oni, he met Shuten Doji and became his subordinate, and together they aimed for the capital. They aimed for the Koshien. No. Um, <laughs> the Shuten Doji gang was based on Mount Oe. 
Um, the gang ran amok. Go ahead. Go ahead. The gang. It is the gang. Um, <laughs> the gang ran amok at the Capitol, kidnapping families, girls, among other things. Among other things. Okay. Uh, but they were destroyed by Minamoto no Yorimitsu and his four vassals, the four guardian kings. However, Ibaraki Doji was able to escape. Um, there is a... Well, my my mention's gonna fail because I forgot the name of the show that I was going to mention. Um, <laughs> there's a couple. There's a couple different shows um, that focus specifically on. Um, I say shows. they um, anime that focus specifically on Shuten Doji, and uh, oh, uh, it is on on no, it's not on Miyoji. Um, well, there's one that's uh, an an old or older OVA from probably like 1993 or so. Um, I think mm-hmm. mid mid 90s. That'll be uh, on Shuten Doji. Uh, but the other one that I'm trying super hard to remember um, is a I want to say a 2003 production. Uh, okay. And that one centers on the um, Minamoto no Yorimitsu group. Ah, okay. And there are... Um, the first half of the show is uh, back in the, the Heian period. And then the characters are... Re- I think they're killed. I don't remember. Um, something okay. happens and they're reincarnated. And it moves into modern day, which was modern day at the time. Uh, and they try to complete their mission in like modern day um, Japan. It's it was really good. Um, it's so good that I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> these these things happen. I can probably click on the link and see if it pops up something, or maybe there's a um, related to Shuten Doji references, folk tales, folklorist. None of this helps me. Um, Maybe I'll just click. I'll, this is terribly interesting for all of our listeners. So, Minamoto no Yorimitsu in popular culture. Help me here, please. please. Oh, sorry. Otogizoshi is the show that 2005, apparently. Okay. Um, is what I was referring to terribly. Um, I recommend this, and I actually uh, will see if we can get a hold of some of this because I would like to cover what this show does um in making these some of the yokai and uh, making them real people it's more like a a revisionist thing where they've taken the idea of the yokai and then reaching back and going well if these things are historical references they're probably this so um i guess in uh an example would be uh, if you reach way back into episode one, I believe. <laughs> um, I discussed the Suchigumo and the re- the references that are what potentially were this um it's a, these cave spiders. Oh yeah, okay. um, they're essentially supposed to be mountain bandits. Ah. Like they're just okay. hiding in the mountains and they come out at night and wreak havoc and people thought they were monsters, but it was just probably dudes in the mountain. Um, right. So in the show, Otogi Zoshi, uh, the Suchigumo are mountain, like, cave-dwelling mountain bandits, not cave-dwelling spiders. Um, right, okay. And 
the rest of it, we'll see if I can. I'll I'll try to see if I can dig up the show. I I have it, multiple versions of it somewhere. Um, probably not within easy reach, but uh, that would be the long rambling um side thing on Shuten Doji. Uh, the actual we'll go, we'll get back to Ibaraki Doji. Um, go ahead and read the Ichigo theory. It's a okay. birth segment. It's a little long, but there's... Just skip the parentheses parts. You're fine. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, as Dave mentioned, I will be uh, engaging with the, the the birth segment, which sounds like a uh, Darksiders level uh, <laughs> stage uh, for all of you big fans of the Darksiders fighting game in 2019. Oh, all three uh, of you. Yep, that, that was all for you. Uh, there is a theory that uh, just like Shujin jo- Doji, Ibaraki Doji was also born at Ichigo. Uh, born in the Sengatsu? Sunagotsuka. Uh, you, you can kind of skip the place name. That's yeah. fine. Okay. There's a lot of them. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. In Gambara, uh, Ibaraki, Ibaraki Doji was a page at the <laughs> Koko Juji, uh, but since Ibaraki Doju was born in uh, Kirazawa, in the mountain recess of the Koshi district, uh, uh, Ibaraki Doju was given to the Yahoki Jinja. Uh, that place is where it's a it's a shrine. Uh, okay, or there temp- we go. Sorry, it's a temple. Temple. All right. Uh, that place is where uh, uh, Ibaraki Doju and uh, Shoot. Shuten Doju engaged in sumo, and there is a small shrine enshrining Ibaraki Doju. In the same area, the family name Ibaraki is common, and there is a legend that those of the Ibaraki family have a customary practice of not wrapping beans on the last day of winter. Dave, can you give a little context of what I just read? Uh nope. <laughs> okay. Uh, other than they engaged in sumo, and I guess because I'm not as familiar with the Shindoji legend, so okay, we, we may have I to come thought... back to that. And I don't know about the wrapping beans on the last day of winter. If that's what okay, you're asking I me. thought that I was because I was I had never heard of that Japanese tradition. Uh, it's 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 probably regional. Ah, of course, it would be my guess. Um, I'll. I'll take the next section. Um, As a beautiful boy, he received a mountain load of love letters from girls who knew him, just like Shujindoji did. And as a beautiful boy, wooed by many females, and her mother... (laughs) um, Maybe that's his mother, anxious about his future, sent him to Yahiko Jinja, uh, which is that temple. However, when one time he left the temple to return to his home, his mother... Uh, I'm dubious on this entry because it's <laughs> written strangely. Um, 
found a, his his mother found a love letter smeared with blood hidden in his luggage. Sounds like a curse. Uh, upon licking that blood once with her finger, um, his okay. Upon licking that blood once with his finger, uh, Ibaraki Doji at once turned into a demon. Um, following the beam, um, was up in the eaves, I guess. Okay. Broke the gable and fled. Okay, this is, it's like, sorry, sorry, it's a super awkward um, paragraph here. Um, At that time, Shutendoji heard about, maybe this is a girl, I don't understand, like, this is very, Shutendoji heard about a girl who died from pessimism, from not receiving a reply to her love letter, and upon opening Itsura with the letter, a strange smoke started rising, and that he lost his kanji, passed out, and became a demon, and thus fled the shrine. Okay, there's a bunch of love letters, and these two became demons after hearing and reading love letters, I guess. Ah. Um, we'll have to find out more about Shutendoji in the future. Um, Ibaraki Doji, <laughs> finding sympathy for each other with... Finding sympathy with Shutendoji, uh, became his underling and attacked the surrounding villages. Together, when his mother heard that rumor, um, she stood in front of uh, Ibaraki Doji wearing... His clothes he had as a newborn. So that's... She's wearing his baby clothes. Yep, that's um, impressive. <laughs> and perhaps as a result of suddenly recovering his memories of his childhood, he promised not to tread that land again and exiled himself to Dogakushi, Shinano, um, and other places aiming for the capital. So <laughs> he was scared off by his mother in baby clothes. Uh, no, I like to imagine that he remembered that that was his like hometown, and he said, "All right, I'm not going to destroy my hometown, but the rest of the region—that's fair game, right?" Yeah, right? I mean, that's, that's basically what that um, what that comes down to. Uh, yep. There's another theory. This sets it through. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Um, because this specifically goes on about... Uh, okay, so concerning Ibaraki Doji, um, there are stories that he was born in um, Amagasaki, Hyogo, and Ibaraki, Osaka. Okay. So it's basically just saying he's born all over the place. Um, ah. And in one record um, uh, of 1701, he was born in the village of Tomatsu in Setsu. So that's talking about the his Setsu birth. Um, he was kicked out of the village and picked up by Shutendoji, given the name um, Ibaraki because the the village was called Ibaraki. So that, that's his, his name from the, his hometown, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this um, story, Ibaraki Doji was a native of Matsu. Oh, this doesn't probably help anybody, but he was born with fangs. So the one that said he was born with teeth um, mm-hmm. is a little weird because babies... Yeah, anyway... Um, but this one, he's born with fangs, actually, and long hair and a glint in his eye. And his power was greater than that of the grown-ups. Um, his family was scared of him and abandoned him in the town. Um, and then he was later picked up by Shutendoji. So it doesn't give uh, ages between them, but obviously Shutendoji is quite a bit older than um, Ibaraki. Yes. Um... According to the legend in Ibaki City, um, 
when he was born after a difficult delivery of 18 months. Um, <laughs> he had already grown teeth, okay, uh, and was immediately able to walk. Well, if you're in the womb for 18 months, um, I guess that could happen. Yeah. No, no, it's not going to happen. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's frightening. Um, and his mother died of shock because of his sharp eyes. Um, no, I think she died because he was in her room for 18 months. Yeah. Um, the only like child was too much for his father. So he was thrown away um, in front of a Kamiyui. Uh, I think that's a like a little um, roadside shrine. Okay. Uh, and then raised by the lady of the barber shop. Um, okay. Who did not have a child. So he, since he excelled in uh, over adults in his strength and his powerful physique, um, that was also too much for the barber shop. But he was taught to be a barber. Um, unfortunately, he injured a customer's face with a razor and um, got blood on himself. And he tried to clean his hands off by licking them and yep. became yep. a demon. Mm -hmm. um, sounds familiar. So instead of the bloody letter that he licked, he got someone else's, well, again, someone else's blood. Um, then he noticed his reflection in a river and became scared and fled into the mountains. After not long after he met Shuten Doji and became his servant, the bridge was called Ibaraki Doji Sugatama Bashi, um, Sugatama Bridge. Uh, it does not exist anymore, um, but there's a monument. So, um, the Mount Oe Massacre. The damage caused by Shuten Doji's gang was so large that Minamoto no Yorimitsu, who is the one that defeated Shuten Doji, went to exterminate Oni and his subordinates. Um, along with the four guardian kings. Um, they went to Mount Oe dressed as mountain priests. They received help from various people along the way. You know, this is going to be the story of um, uh, Otogi Zoshi, so we'll actually skip that. And All right. uh, Well, this is the intro to something we'll cover way later on. I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> about Ibaraki Doji and Shuten Doji. So you can look forward to that if you're interested in... Um, historical steeped um, mythology. So that'll, I'm interested in revisiting that and um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Like I said, <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to be able to try to find that again, but um, Leonard, what are we covering yes. today for the actual show? Uh, we are covering uh, uh, more uh, Jin, Dijin, uh, Madness and Horror with uh dob five or as dave refers to it because he can pronounce it dub zirisin thank you uh the uh you will you will uh remember from my last episode that we uh covered uh dob four uh and this is a, a completely indirect sequel to the fourth, to the fourth one. Yes, it has series... nothing to do with the events in the fourth. However, it's the same writer, director, and themes, arguably. Yes, uh, more more people being jinned, basically. Yes. Well, actually, not still, still, still one, still one person being jinned. <laughs> 
but the twist this time is they're being like super ginned and there's an <laughs> entire town of gin after them. Uh, uh, okay, so um, let's get into this because I've got some thoughts. Uh, I think I was pretty positive uh, with uh, Dob 4. And uh, I want to talk about how I felt about five. Um, Excellent. So I, I probably had the same or similar experience. Um, the well, there is a there is a little summary on the IMDb, which we'll use that because it's faster than us recounting it with our own our own poor minds. Um, yes. The summary. Um, and we'll maybe make addendums to this because it's very brief. Dilek, a housewife, suddenly starts to feel presence of something abnormal in a specific room in their house. Okay. Though her husband, Omer, um, refuses to agree with her, but, situ- but the situation becomes worse. So everything's worsening, and her husband's not uh, believing that something's wrong. Uh, they find out that an ancient paranormal creature called it. So they're being, Dilek is being cursed um, by a jinn. Or yep. she's being having a jinn cursed upon her. Um, yes. They seek for a cure. And then they find something shocking um, in her early life. That's the um, the IMDb summary. It's pretty spot on. Um, there, yeah. There's definitely more details. So we'll go into a few of those. Um, we're definitely not going to go scene by scene also because I don't want to remember some of the ridiculousness in this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> so... Leonard, um, what in comparison between number four and this, what are the differences as far as the film is concerned? Uh, Because because number four was definitely a found footage movie. Yes, this is a this is a movie movie. Um, In fact, it is a a, it is a very particular movie. I noticed upon. watching it which is um it's basically um gin paranormal activity <laughs> um uh because the uh the the a lot of the uh movie is filmed uh from the point of view of security cameras that have been placed around the house because of all the spooky maybe gin maybe burglar related activity uh, with our uh, main our main character uh, Dilek Dilek yeah um, that was the first thing I noticed about this movie um, is that it's very much a, a movie not a a maybe uh, um, fan footage maybe, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe real found footage thing. Um, so that was the first thing that I noticed about the movie aspect of this movie. What, what did you think of the super spooky uh, intro, the voiceover parts? Those are my favorite, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I actually uh, really like, uh, like that part of it. Um, the thing that I, um, I always forget, is I, I forget every single time that I watch one of these movies, is that it's supposed to be based on a true event? Yes, each um, of these Dob films are taken from. They're like um, they're using recordings supposedly made by the, 
the people, or at least the investigators, on these, like, basically they're missing persons cases. Right. And they, they've taken, so, to tie uh, um, it together with the uh, Otogi Zoshi that I mentioned earlier, um, they're, they're taking events, but they're doing it in reverse. They're events that have a potentially logical explanation, and then they are using the um the cultural uh footnotes i guess i don't know if that's the right word but um they're 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 reverse engineering some horror into a real life event yes they're taking like what could have happened or Mm -hmm. or saying this is this is the result we know these people are missing or we found them and they're crazy um but either from what they were like the eyewitness or just as a, like a a retro fit onto the events. They're like, this is maybe this was from the Jin. So this is, I think what happened that that's, that's, that's what these films do. Um, Yes. And I think it's, that works really well. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a, they're, they're despite us saying that, Oh, this is like paranormal activity or this is like Cairo. um, the, The, the influences on the, f- those influences only inform the style of the film. Right. Uh, the content is definitely, they're pulling from cultural uh, myth, legend, lore, and making it, making those things relevant in a um, contemporary setting. Exactly. And for that, it, it really works. Yes, um, I, I agree. Um yeah, uh, so um, I I I was interested. I I kind of rolled my eyes at first when I realized uh, that that was the style, of, like the directing style, the 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 film. Once again, the film part of the film is framed like a paranormal activity. However, it is distinctly Turkish uh, and and not at all. Uh, American, even though there are some kind of, there are a few very um, American-y um, relationship tropes in this movie that I found myself actually really rolling my eyes at. Um, but I guess we could talk about that as we go over the summary. Yeah. Um, so I guess a little, we'll, we'll flesh out the summary that was provided by um the IMDb page. Yes. Uh, this all starts as, um, oh, uh, we get a spooky, um, ritual sacrifice scene, uh, in the be- the beginning of the film. It's like, the, yes, it's the, it's the prologue and it sets the tone for the rest of the film because it, it goes, big or goes home and it definitely did not go home it it went big and was not that it was shocking i mean the material or the 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 subject matter is disturbing but Mm. it was slightly unexpected on the heels of what the fourth film presented yes and it definitely felt like it's just raising the, the the stakes um, just for the sake of going, we're going to go crazier with showing horrible things happening. Um, and on the plus side, it's, 
it's debatable, but I didn't feel that it was going too far with what it was showing. The subject matter no. is not not good, but it's um it's one of the few times where gratuitousness is in service of the plot rather than the fan service, if that makes sense. Right. And and quite honestly, I I I would I you know compared to a, an American film that would would maybe deal uh, culturally differently, but uh, deal with the same themes as this film. It's it certainly is not as uh, gratuitous as an American production would be, in my opinion. It's uh, but like you said, the subject matter is not great. But um, it's it's not exploitative. Doesn't feel like unnecessarily uh, gory or dark. It really is in service to the to the to the narrative. I thought it kind of. I mean, it, it pushed some edges. I think. Yes. Um, so we're we're skirting around the topic. Um, there is a. Un, at this point unnamed group of um, people and they are holding a ritual kind of sacrifice involving um, babies yes like recently born babies so yep um, that uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll say that off the bat to like inform you that that's kind of it's like the dog dies in the film it's that kind of thing um, this, yeah this not to equate babies with dogs, but it, it's right. a it's filmed specifically to give you a feeling of this is horrible. Um, yes, uh, people doing a bad thing, um, kind of idea, and that being the case, the intent of the ritual is actually very interesting. There, mm-hmm. um, we'll get into it anyway, so I'll just do it right now. Um, what the village does is they contract with Jin, um, very specifically uh, to take um, an infirm but upper class child or mm-hmm. baby, and then they will have um, healthy but low class children um, sacrifice to put their healthy spirit into the infirm um fancy baby yes that's that's literally the, the plot of the film yes is it, it what, is it what is. happens when you do that um but uh kind of make the jinn angry in the in the process like you're not giving right. them their fair due because you're uh the, the, what happens is the um the infirm now infirm baby is given to the jinn right as like a payment uh, and they take it and raise it or i don't know they do something with the baby doesn't doesn't explain that part of it um no uh or the, the technically i think it's the spirit of the baby because they do bury the actual baby yes um which is comes into play later. it goes into play yes um we'll, yes. we'll, we'll get to it's, it we're, uh, it's, that, it's but that's illness. what happens right it's illness transference mm. between yeah yeah so it's sort of sympathetic magic the thing that you uh i mean they're being very specific with this so it's uh similar to if you were 
saying, oh, this, um, we have a, this is, a, I guess, a simplified version of it. Uh, say I have a sick, like, rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your, I think you would, you know, no, you find a firm. So someone's sick. And then you mm-hmm. get a healthy other thing and kill it to transfer the healthy energy into the sick person. Yeah. Or you could do it vice versa. So say you're cursing someone, you can, mm-hmm. someone's healthy and then you kill a sick thing to send that sickness to the um, healthy person. Right. And th- this film kind of plays with those kind of ideas. Um, the, we, I don't think we'll end up, we won't end up covering it, but um, the sixth film, which I did watch most of, deals specifically with like that latter side of things. And it's, um, I I don't know that I can recommend watching the sixth <laughs> one because while while um, Zirisin takes things, ramps up a notch, um, they decided to skip a few rungs in the ladder and just like bombard you uh um, Evil Dead remake style in uh, the sixth film. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, um, back to uh, Zirisin. We, yes. uh, that, it, it turns out that that, um, that sacrifice scene was years and years ago. And now we're moving into, I think it's set in the 80s, but it's modern day for the film. Um, yes. And, we have Dilek who's she she you know she lives with her husband. Um they're in a pretty fan that's what I noticed about all these houses. It's very swank, like it's definitely upper class. And yes. that's of course what the ritual was dealing with was upper class children, um, or families rather. And um she's in this, you know, a fancy very nice house, actually. I wouldn't mind living in such a fancy abode. Um No, it is. They have a lot of nice decor. Um and her, and her and husband, then one, yeah, and then ahead. one really tacky piece of decor later on in the film that I'm sure we're gonna cover. Oh yeah, well, um, <laughs> she's home by herself most of the time. Her husband's off off working, and um, I think he's just gone during the day and comes home at night. But yeah, uh, uh, late late at home during the, most nights. Actually, yeah, because she she specifically mentions at. at in in their first interaction, don't stay out. Don't stay at work too late tonight, honey. Which yeah. of course he comes home when it's dark, like basically. Yep. Um. So she's home by herself and just kind of hanging out and starts getting paranormal activity. Um, yeah. It seems like there's someone. Uh, it's always in rooms when she's not in there. She's somewhere mm-hmm. else in the house and hears noises and goes to investigate and finds. Um. Like as if a burglar had come in and uh, just messed things up. Um, finds strange footprints um, that aren't human uh, in mm-hmm. mud, and they're like, "Oh, just a dog came in." Or her husband is, of course, is saying this. He's like, "Oh, just a dog um, came in and messed everything up." And it's like, "My dude, a dog cannot get up on the counter and like wreck the dishes in the cabinets. It's like <laughs> it's not going to get up there." Right. Um, so. That's obviously not what's happening. Um, she calls her friends over. There's a, a couple that are um, like the best 
best friends with uh, Dilek and Omer. Uh, and they come over and recommend like maybe putting, I think, I think it's them that recommend putting up um, cameras to see what's going on mm. to basically just catch the burglar. That's the intent of the cameras, I think. Right. Um, but it turns out that uh, the, it's, it's a, it's a boyfriend and girlfriend um, are the, the couple and the boyfriend of that in that couple is um, familiar with a, uh, now I've, I've forgotten the um, the term. So the uh, the shaman, yeah, kind yes. of guy in the first um, or in top four. Uh, this is the yeah. same role, and I want to say it's the same woman that played the mother in Dob four. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, is playing this shaman in this film. And uh, they they try to set up a, a consultation for um, Dilek to go see her because he uh, the <clears throat> the husband is one of those. Um, I guess it kind of plays out a little bit like um, Hereditary, where mm-hmm. the, not the husband, the fiance is like, oh, I've heard, uh, I've got in contact with one of my friends who's a the shaman, and um, they they've given me like some small methods to to do this like uh, seance. Right. So we'll try that. And if that works, then that will prove that um, what, what you're experiencing is, you know, uh, fantastical and not just a burglar and, right. or, or just bad dreams. And then we'll go take you to see the, the, um, the shaman. So they do the the seance thing and yeah <laughs> it it definitely works yep some uh dark astral planing uh <laughs> yeah it's actually a pretty cool ritual so um i didn't i don't think i planned to talk about it but um Dilek is told that uh, there is a um so it's like your 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 third eye Mm-hmm. spirit seeing eye but there's an eye that you can have in your hand and if you are because they're talking about um, jinn possession and it's like if you are possessed by a jinn or if there's a jinn messing with you you should be able to see them uh with that that sense right and we get treated to a pretty cool um del toro-esque uh put a hand in the eye and they're being literal with it. Cause it's an actual like goat's eye or something. Yeah. And she, with her eyes closed and that hand held out, she can like see into the ghost. Plane. Well, it's not really ghost. It's, 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 it's <laughs> I, the, I it's the level up above ours where the Jin reside. Right. That we right. mentioned in the last um, episode. So she's able to see into that and um, find out that, yes, she is being haunted by a jinn because it's super spooky and scary um, mm-hmm. and also looks all like, like Silent Hill. Yes. <laughs> yes, it, um, it really does. And they – so they do that and go to the – of course, this leads them to, okay, we should probably go <laughs> probably go see the um, the shaman and get a better – idea on how to like fix this problem right 
And then I don't remember what happens. You have to do if you remember. I believe I watched this, this like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I believe uh, that before they uh, interact with the shaman, we get the um, uh, the unwelcome decor in which. Uh, uh, mm. uh, you get Dalek. the 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 numbers. Oh yes, it. What is it? Seven seven zero three. I think so. So, um, Dilek, when she's going around her house and being haunted by something, uh, there's an old cabinet that her mother had um, brought from their village. Yes, and oh, it's yeah. it's her mother's stuff, but um, it's definitely old and spooky, and will not take you to Narnia. Um, nope. And on the inside of it uh, are, like, numbers carved into it. Um, and then I think there's, like, her mother's um, little keepsake box. Yes. Uh, with, with, photo. with photos of the village and it's uh, three... Three palms? Three palms. Three, three spiked palms. Uh, something like that. I don't... It's, um, it's in subtitles, so I don't remember what the... It's a village, the name of a village, mm-hmm. but it's one that she hadn't heard of, even though I think it's her hometown. So it's weird, but uh, right. th- these things happen. Um, so with armed with that information is what they provide to the um, the shaman. Yes. And uh, leads them or it leads the shaman to say, oh, you should go there. I think that's what happens. Yes. Yes. She tells her to go there. And. Uh. After it's discovered that she's uh, she's super uh, marked by 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 the jinn, yes. that there are are multiple jinn residing in her uh, home, uh, that the wardrobe is uh, super jinn cursed, and there's probably been a jinn living inside of it the entire time. Um, it seems like she has an entire tribe of jinn after her, as opposed to a single. Uh, entity haunting like in the previous movie yeah there, there's a lot going on and there's a multiple times where they're being kind of chased around the house um one aspect i really enjoyed and was trying to figure out what they were going for was there is a um gin effigy i don't know what you want to call it i think it's a bunch of pieces of corpse tied together to make a gin. Oh, yes. Because yes. Uh, uh, the gin aren't, um, they're bound basically to this world of dreams. They can't, they can cross over, but they don't have a physical form. Uh, this film and the next film heavily um, focuses on gin affecting you in the world of dreams. So a lot mm-hmm. of what she's experiencing is, you know, spooky things happen and then she'll wake up mm-hmm. like that's that's what happens quite often um but things start crossing over because her husband starts experiencing um the activities as well and one particular one which gets him to be on board with that is uh they're running all around the house trying to he's trying to chase around who he thinks is in the house but there's of course nothing visible there and they they they're they're in a, a multi-story house. They come back downstairs, and there's this effigy. It's a 
again, it looks kind of like um, the tribute to Paimon statue um, in Hereditary, but it's just in the middle of their living room, and it has it's, it's surrounded by a um, like a pentacle with uh, cursed looking things, a lot of blood and or entrails and hair and stuff, and. Yep. Uh, that's also what shapes the the effigy is it's I think it's parts of bodies. It yes. isn't it's very gross looking. Um effective. Effective uh sort of scarecrow. It, it it's it's so gross that they yeah. left it in their washing room in their basement. Yeah, they didn't want to like the it's just there. They didn't want to touch it more than necessary i guess yeah um, but it is what the it's potentially what the jinn are using to like move stuff around i think yes is they're they're using that as a um a proxy yes or an avatar um to to affect the world more than their windy bodies will right um I don't, uh, yeah, that's, that's primarily the first, like, three-fourths of the movie. Yes. Um, then, of course, we move on to the actual, we, we get the, the villain's, um, <laughs> uh, speech, um, sort of t- toward the end, where, uh, the shaman who has been helping them thus far and has directed them to go visit this, um, village in a uh, I think a particular cave where they find this cave system in the village and it turns out that the shaman is the cursor I don't know what you <laughs> the, the person who set all this in motion yes is the shaman and um double backstab the uh um fiance of their friend uh is the shaman's Son, yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, yeah, it's a, it's a super like Scooby Dude um, plot. Uh, it it sure is. I mean, it I wor- got, it works. Like I had fun with that. <laughs> it, I got really angry at. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> I did because I was like, I was like, really again? It's the people, the people close to you betraying you again. That's that's the same as the last movie. I was so upset. I was so upset. Well, that's the well. I'm I'm pretty sure that that it's the same lady. I, I mean, I, I in, in the you know not real her real life, but the actress is the same actress. I I I know, but still, I I guess I just wasn't expecting it and i wasn't expecting it to be literally be the same same twist as the last movie i think and, they, i um, think they pulled it off better in this one okay maybe i think i was just really taken aback by, by the fact that it almost the exact same surprise i'm the villain situation that i was just like oh i mm. Yeah. So they um Dilek uh and not her husband. So what <laughs> what happens is the um the girlfriend or fiance, I don't know if they were uh, fianced. I don't I keep saying that. But No, um, they are. They are because okay. Di- okay. Yeah. So Dilek. the 
the girlfriend um was in love with uh Dilek's husband. Yes, okay. uh, or in, or in lust with um she she sought him and was provided a um love potion uh mm-hmm. to to uh sway Omer to her her wiles. Um however, uh like all dark magics because this was a dark magic love potion, um the side effect is yes, you get the lust part fulfilled um but what it will do is drive the uh, recipient insane and uh omer um uh cheats on his wife with the uh the the other woman and murders her because he goes crazy yes Uh, so that puts them out of the picture um it's just dilek and the uh the guy going to the village they run into I think it was yeah they run into a um another figure and this man uh it turns out was present during the um original baby sacrifice scene in the beginning of the movie he was the um what are they I think they used him as the intermediary to communicate with the jinn yes exactly yes that was his role um he did not like that thing because every time that they used him you know that's getting people killed that's what was happening was killing children to make other children healthy um so he tries to help um dulek uh undo this curse and return the they have to dig up the old sacrificed corpse to undo the spell because dulek is the recipient of the spirit that made her healthy Yes, her parents are rich, right? So she's being targeted because she was super healthy, and um, the son of the shaman was sick. I I I forgot what it was. It was that uh, that the uh, the shaman's newborn baby was taken so that they could trade. Oh yes, it was the brother or something of the um the younger guy. Yes, of the fiance of Dilek's best friend. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. So, uh, so they're just mad because of their their station put them at a disadvantage, or not necessarily not even a disadvantage, put them threw them under the bus. Yes, know, um, in favor of this uh, rich hoity-toity family, um, right? Which is Dilek's family. So. Right they're taking revenge on Dulek. And as she mentions, like she, she, although she was the beneficiary of that, she has nothing to do with like, she was literally had just been, she she was fairly newborn. Yeah. Uh, The actual newborn was the one that was sacrificed, I think. But um, she was a baby. So she's like, I didn't, I didn't do this. My my parents didn't like, well, we can't mess with your parents. They're already, they're already dead. So they had the big car accident. Yeah. So it's like we're just gonna also revenge on you too. Is, yeah. is the evil villain plot. Um but uh I guess that would be that. The the jinn in this film are more of a presence than they were in the previous one. Yes. Um, that presence being relegated to paranormal esque activity um shenanigans. But uh, they 
we don't really get a, a scene as cool as the mirror scene in the um, fourth film. Yeah, and uh, this movie even has a mirror scene. It, it, it was, yeah. It's, it, they're, they're, <laughs> they're doubling down on that um, angle of the lore. And they deal specifically with uh, the the dream nature um, right. of the Jinn. And then how they can affect um, people, how they can curse people. And uh, more on the idea of the um, tribalism and the the human aspects like emotional i guess is what i want um the emotional aspects and ranges that um humans experience are are the same for jinn just kind of like amplified a little bit when they when they right. get mad they're really mad when they're upset they're really, you know when they're happy they're arguably even more happy than people can be but we right. just don't we don't get that part of it because you always deal with the angry um tribe <laughs> jinn Um, the, I don't. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think the film really pulled anything new that the fourth film talked about, as in regard to the Jin, at least. No, no, not. Really. It just made them spookier, I think. Yes, uh, I did actually really like the 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 uh, trip into. Uh, the the Jin uh, plane mm. uh, during this film's movie uh, our mirror sequence where it's just her house but everything's covered in white cloth. Yeah, they're they're, they're doing the um the good old Oculus. Yep. <laughs> or or any horror movie where you just go into a room and it's all sheets on all the furniture and you're just waiting for something to like stand up instead of be just furniture Um, yes that on that note the magic that they use to travel into the shin world is um they did go specifics into specifics on that and i thought that that was very interesting because what what they're saying is um generally this kind of thing is done through like astral projection in Mm -hmm. specifically in western magic you would have your body and send your spirit like even though it's tethered or something into the other world, like the right. afterlife or whatever. But this, this isn't the afterlife. It's just another dimension. You can't get there with your spirit because it's too thin, mm-hmm. but you can get there with your body. Right. So they, they did a ritual to keep her spirit tethered to our plane of existence and sent her body into the Yin dimension. And then they're like, be super careful because you're in there with your actual body. <laughs> so if something right. happens, it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that put a, um, uh, I think a, a more note on the danger for the protagonist. Right. Like it's, it's making you more invested in like what's going to happen versus like, Oh, she's in her spirit form. And if, if something happens, you'll just get pulled back to your body and be okay. Like that's, general western way it would have i think been carried out mm-hmm. uh, yeah or, exactly. or i mean there's still that same oh if your spirit gets hurt it's it's you too but this because it's your body i think had more of a visceral um intent to it right right exactly because surprise surprise she does get hurt <laughs> yes and that it, it remains um so i think that's probably 
uh, enough of Zerisin. And unless there's anything else you needed to, to mention, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. No, no, that's it. And surprise, there was one more film. Um, <laughs> I took a look at the uh, 2016 film Under the Shadow, uh, which was directed by Babak Anvari. It is a um, uh, Iranian film. And I, I watched this at a suggestion um, from a friend. And I, I really enjoyed the film. Um, I'll keep this section brief because uh, it it deals with Jin. Um, and this one is, as I mentioned, uh, Iranian instead of um, Turkish. Yes. The, the Jin are uh, depicted a little bit differently. Um, this is, while, while there is a um, Islamic aspect um, to um, the culture and the jinn uh, within the Dab series. Uh, it's mm-hmm. far stronger um, in the Under the Shadow film. Um, the The film is set in, again, the mid-80s, so that sort of ties them together uh, time period-wise. Right. Uh, and it deals with the um, uh, Iran-Iraq uh, um, conflict. So it's set in the capital of... Um, you're on Tehran and while it's being bombed like missiles and everything. Um, the film centers around a mother and daughter and they are, um, in a small, uh, apartment complex. The, the the mother is a Shide and her, her daughter Dorsa. Um, Shide had previously been a, uh, she's, she's like a, a medical student. Mm-hmm. And during the Cultural Revolution in Iran, she was a um, a political activist, okay. or, I guess, or I guess just an activist. But because of that, um, when the the war kind of started, so she stopped going to the university and then had her daughter. I believe is the the timeline. Um, mm-hmm. She, when her daughter's old enough, she tries to go back to go finish her um, doctorate. But the university says that uh, because she was a documented um, activist, um, they cannot like be associated with her because her her I think it's leftist um, leaning politics uh, are not fit for the university. Like they they just said no, right? So she's disheartened. Her her mother had wanted her to be a doctor. I think her parents were doctors um, and wanted her to be a doctor. Uh, her husband is, I think he's also, yeah, he's also a doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. but he, uh, is drafted and sent to, um, it's like an annual draft. They, they get set for so many months or something. Um, and then they come back. But, uh, last year he had been sent to some city or a little town in the middle of nowhere. And it, it wasn't a problem. But mm-hmm. this year, of course, he's sent to the, the front lines. And so they're potentially not going to see each other anymore. Just to, it's very dangerous. Um, right. The city itself is, is coming under fire. And um, so the mother and daughter are basically left alone mm-hmm. uh, in this apartment. There's a few other families. Uh, but ultimately, the apartment building is struck uh, by a missile. The missile does not explode. It's like lodged into the ceiling of the apartment above um, 
uh, she days. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> and it because it landed where it did. It like sort of the tip of the missile hits the. I think it hit the floor. So there's a big crack in the ceiling of their apartment. Mm-hmm. But the missile's above that. Uh, the the people come and remove it. So there's a big hole in the roof of the building, and then that sort of crack in the the ceiling below. Um, okay. What happens is as the the days go on and there there's continual um, bombings, and each time the, the like a bombing happens, everyone in the apartment goes to shelter in the basement. Like that's mm-hmm. just the, the thing they do. They don't. They, there's nowhere else to go, so they just go in the basement and go. Okay, hopefully it's you know still homes when we come back up from basement. Um, right. But the as the as the bombings in the city um, escalate, the people in the apartment decide to flee. So everyone leaves ultimately, except for um, Shide and Dorsa. Uh, she's staying there out of stubbornness and uh, anger, I think, at mm. uh, at the university and then at her husband. It's just it's very complicated. Uh, this is more of a drama um, than anything right. else. But uh, as the bombings kind of escalate and, and prior to and then definitely after um, the missile impacted the building, there's sort of visions and little things that happen out of the corner of her eye and the the atmosphere within the apartment between um, herself and her daughter um, just becomes more tense. Her, her daughter's like six, little, okay. little child. Yes, a, a child. The child, a yes. proper child. And uh, her, her daughter has a little doll, and the doll goes missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment the doll is missing, um, the daughter becomes sick. Uh, ah. and so she's just getting more and more sick. And that's also why the, um, she has not left cause she's trying to take care of her daughter. Um, there's, I think the other things too, the, um, the only place she could go is her husband's, her, her in-laws and she does not like them or they don't get along with her or something. So that's mm. also why she's not leaving because she doesn't want to go to the in-laws. Um, but the one of her friends uh, is like an anthropologist and has a collection of books that um, talk about Jin and the some of the women in the building are are more more devoutly religious. That's another aspect of the film that Shide's devotion to her religion is not as strong as um, it's necessary to have in that certain that specific society at that time right um so she's she's flouting a lot of the traditional um practices um mm-hmm. in order to try to like um further herself you know she she does like jane fonda workouts um she she uh, uh that kind of thing it's just her she's trying to embrace a um more freedoms and more modern um, outlook on how women could um, be uh, without mm. being confined specifically to uh, the, the, the tenets um, of the religion, basically. Right. Um, so that's, that's part and parcel of like the, also the issues that she's having with herself and then with the, her relation to society. Um, 
as as things start like escalating, uh, mm-hmm. she she comes to the realization that um, the the jinn in this case um, in uh, in the Turkish jinn they're made of fire, like mm-hmm. predominantly fire and some wind. In Iran, uh, it's more wind than anything else. So there's still an aspect that we get uh, a few scenes of the dreams um, of her having nightmares and then waking up and then, oh, the, the jinn was there in the dream, but not in reality. The, mm-hmm. That begins to, to, once the missile hits, that begins to like shift and the jinn become more of a concrete thing. And it turns out that the, the jinn may have, they, they like to ride on the wind and cause mischief. Mm-hmm. Well, this particular jinn rode in on the missile. Ah, okay. So I think it's also, it may not be a local jinn. This may actually be an Iraqi jinn. Okay. So I think that the movie could be dealing with that too, the um, Iran-Iraq conflict and that climate. Um, if I was more familiar with those events, then I think we could read more into that. But uh, uh, suffice to say, the the jinn have come in on the missile. Or... Mm-hmm. Or they're sort of woken by calamity, so the bombings themselves kind of stirred them up in in the air, mm-hmm. and they're attracted to uh, sort of misfortunes and um, problems that people may be having, and they kind of they're they're like tricksters and want to like make that stuff worse just because it's fun, right. And so she's having all these problems in the, the jinn of like locked in on that um, or they're drawn to it uh, right. and they're just escalating everything. The, the young daughter um, says she's, she's always speaking to this woman. She's like, Oh, let's talk to this woman when you're not around mom. And of course the mom's like, what woman? Uh, but it's, it's, it's the jinn. Like it, it dresses right. in a, um, a full uh, sort of like a, a burqa, like a full body one. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it looks like a bed sheet because it 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 is a um. It turns out that the the tarp that's covering the roof that they put in to keep the rain out when the missile went through, mm-hmm. uh, it is what the jinn has been like using, I guess, to manifest. To yes, to manifest itself. But okay. it ma- but it makes it all like fancy looking. It's all kind of has patterns and stuff on it, even though the tarp doesn't. So it, it's able to like use that as the physical object, but then dress itself up as it wants to. Okay. Um, that is called a Shandor? That, that, that style of... Yeah, I... <laughs> possibly. I'm not... Um, I'm no longer remember the specifics that I'd probably once been more familiar with. <laughs> it's been too long. Um, so, uh, that brings us to the uh, an, a chapter in the Legends of the Fire Spirits book. This one is Iran, the Holy Jinn. I'll, I'll read a small excerpt from this. Um, it's from the beginning of it. There are some differing thoughts surrounding Jinn belief in Iran, whose fire spirits are variously referred to as divs, ifrits, ghouls, and padi. Um, some Iranians contend that each of these classes constitutes a separate race of Jinn, but others say they are different tribes but a single race. Still, others say that the Jinn are all of one tribe, but they are unable—they're able to assume diverse forms and shapes. Um, 
and to live in any place under any conditions. So that ties in with the, the Turkish notion that they, they shapeshift. Um, this does not bring into um, as much consideration as the Dabi films took with Jin taking um, snakes and dogs yes. and a- lower animals. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, oh, here, there is a specific, um, the, an encyclopedist from the 19th century, um, Kahar Persia asserts that the tribes of Jin are descendants of the children of Jan Ibn Jan, last ruler mm-hmm. of the pre-Adamite Jin. They are creatures made of fire able to take on the features of any living being they desire, except for those of a prophet or imam. So there's conditions that they cannot um, be uh, holy men. Um, Right. And then the Sufi poet Jalal al-Din Rumi says they were of fire, yet not fire, of vapor, yet not vapor. And the tribes that cause no trouble are the putties, and the evil ones are the divs. Um... It goes on specific to talk about locations and mm-hmm. that all of the these jinn are um, subjects uh, of uh, shaitan, so Satan. But mm-hmm. that uh, that part is um, uh, the the pre Adamite stuff, and all of the the a lot of the folklore and legends of the jinn is uh, pre um, pre Adamite pre uh, Islam pre-Christianity. So right. those things kind of tied together uh, and were blended um, uh, until it goes... It, it, that's why they like, they're written in um, the Quran. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, as with the Turkish um, jinn, the, these jinn are able to become uh, either Christian or Muslim. Yes. Um, or other, like... Just no, no affiliation. <laughs> uh, they can be Jewish. Um, there are kings of Jin who look like men. There are women, and there are daughters um, and sons. They live in a mysterious place called um, Zulmatat, um, near the legendary Water of Life. And they are... Oh, here we go. In ancient pre-Islamic Persia, Jin beliefs crystallized from the primordial opposition of light and darkness, which formed the basis of the earliest Persian religions. Light was happiness. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the putties are the Jin of light and the divs are the Jin of darkness. Ah, okay. And then there's a... Oh, this is probably a very... Um, relevant to this particular film, um, the Persians had some conception of the pre-Adamite jinn as the Arabs did. For 36,000 years, these jinn obeyed God, while air was the ascendant element in the world. But when fire prevailed, they disobeyed. Um, so, in times of strife, and mm-hmm. I'm guessing this giant war um, is one of those times, uh, they're... they're more inclined to um, trouble people, mm-hmm. which is just exacerbating the situation. So you can't get the help that they could potentially provide um, in this sort of time. They're 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 too uh, riled up, right? To, to 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 want to do that is what this looks like. Um, then there's some. 
on the third, not one, two, on the fourth um, page, the mm-hmm. the first major paragraph talks about the uh, the Hamzad. Uh, do, do you have that one pulled up? Yes. Hamzad uh, may be either Muslim or an unbeliever. That page. Uh, yes. Yeah, so the paragraph right above that. Okay. Uh, ooh, okay. This belief is reflected in uh, Al Yahaz's. Uh, please for uh, give my uh, pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, commentary on the Quranic Surah Yusuf Joseph, the biblical po- prophet, son of the patriarch Jacob or Yaqub. Yaqub. Uh, which uh, merchants encounter a gazelle that was uh, Joseph's Hazmad. Uh, no, sorry, Hamzad. So right, uh, the, right above that will tell us what the Hamzad is, <laughs> or else we'll be lost. Oh, okay. It says, since Iran, I guess I'll just read it. Um, since Iran is uh, largely Shiite, the Shiite jinn are called the holy jinn. Every human being is believed to have a twin among the jinn, a Hamzad, born at the same time. And then it goes into the belief of this book. Ah, okay. So if the gazelle is Joseph's Hamzad, it's the jinn born at the same time. Right. Okay. And then, and then uh, continue that part. The, the gazelle. Yes. Uh, the gazelle was therefore required to travel where he did, uh, fall ill if he were sick, and say what he would say, sleep whenever he would sleep, and ultimately die when he would die. Uh, continue. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Hamzad may be either Muslim or an unbeliever. If it is a Muslim, the individual will be fortunate in life. But if it is an infidel, he will almost certainly suffer illness or some other misfortune brought about by this in uh, inseparable compare, uh, companion. Any person with a frail physique or feeble constitution is believed to have an infidel, Hamzad, and there's no way to escape from this unhappy situation. Wow. Uh, The only hope for relief is to try to bring about a harmonious working relationship. This usual, uh, the usual procedure for dealing with an infidel, Hamzad, is to consult a prayer writer who will listen to the patient's concerns and prescribe the treatment. For a price, he writes three prayers. One of the prayers is sewn up in green cloth and wrapped around the right arm. The second is buried, preferably in a graveyard, and the third is burnt on a Saturday night. After this ritual, the Hamzad will usually behave. Okay, so I think... I think that that's pretty interesting it doesn't have much to do at all with the, the film in particular but um right. as a, a means of fleshing out uh what the jinn are um and and specifically um in iran uh i thought that that, that passage was very interesting um yes i also pulled up a section it's a chapter entitled jinn and illness now this one specifically relates um to the the film all go over this one so according to islamic traditions jinn are capable of causing physical illness in humans as well as possessing and haunting them 
to deal with jinn-caused illness, Quranic medicine is invoked, including the uh, recitation of appropriate surahs and the application of herbal and other physical remedies um, recommended in tradition. Uh, the belief in jinn-produced ailments remains strong in the Arab and Muslim worlds even today. Um, the types of sickness and harm um, attributed to the jinn, um, according to Dr. Amin, uh, include intense fear as well as psychological and nervous diseases such as insanity, depression, tension, anxiety, epilepsy, personality disorders, and something called waswas, uh, which he describes as whisperings from the devil or temptation. Jinn yeah. may also bring on physical illness that modern medicine cannot treat and for their and for which there seems to be no medical cause. They may be responsible for hallucinations and for social strife such as hatred between couples, business partners, friends, and relatives. Female diseases such as menstrual irregularities, heavy bleeding, infections, and infertility are blamed on the fire spirits. Male sexual problems are also their fault, including impotence and premature ejaculation. Turkish Islamic scholar uh, Fethullah Gulen, known for... Uh, if we assume the jinn can harm the body and cause physical and psychological illnesses... Then Gulen suggests it may be a good idea for medical authorities to consider whether jinn cause certain types of cancer, since cancer is an unordered and diseased growth in the body that we describe as a kind of cellular anarchy. Maybe some jinn have settled in that part of the body and are destroying its cellular structure. Um, and then it just mentions that his view on jinn and disease are part of that effort to bridge old and new views. Right. Um, it it just goes on to like um mention that some of these things that uh we consider mental illness epilepsy um while they may be the um purview of the jinn could be symptoms of uh, auto suggestion or suggestion um mm-hmm. that that kind of thing it's not uh not anything Oh, there's a part that's, that mentions the jinn, um, as since they're possessing you and they're taking over your whole body, they can penetrate a body even deeper than x-rays can. They can reach into a being's veins and central points in the brain. They seem to be like lasers, which are used in everything from... Okay, it doesn't really matter. Um, so when we consider that Satan and all jinn are created from smokeless fire that penetrates deep into the body, like radiation or radioactive energy, we can understand the meaning of the tradition... Um, Satan moves where the blood moves. So they're just basically saying that because of their form and their um, uh, mutability, uh, mm-hmm. they they can affect you at more than just a psychological level. They can right. cause these um, somatic um, symptoms. And that's what we see in, in this film in particular. Um, as the daughter has lost uh, her doll... Mm-hmm. The, the lore states that, we, as we find in the other films, um, when a jinn either possesses you or seeks to possess you, um, having a personal effect of yours um, makes it several times worse. Yes. And the jinn have taken the daughter's um, doll. Uh, that that manifests itself in her being um, unruly. She's angry at her mother. Um she she refuses to leave the apartment when the mother says, "Oh, we need to go. We need to leave before more bombs strike." Um, until until the doll is found. Mm-hmm. That 
in turn affects the mother. Um, she becomes more harangued and more harried as the, the film progresses, um, begins to imagine more things, seeing things out of a corner of her eye that turns into, um, just general stress alone from, I mean, they're already being bombed. So that's right. <laughs> already going to be considerably stressful by itself. Um, on top of the university thing, on top of her husband, on top of the neighbors, I, all these things are just crushing her down, um, mm. rendering her even more susceptible to the gin possession. Uh, she, she has a, um, book. It's her mother's, uh, book on medicine uh, mm. that she keeps locked up um, out of a desire to like fulfill her mother's wish. But since she can't, she just holds on to that right. like, as a memento. Um, the, eventually that goes missing. And we find that the, the Jin have potentially taken, taken her special thing um, as uh. well as the doll. Uh, it, the, the movie sort of wraps up um, with a, an idea that, Although the mother and daughter may physically flee um, the situation, mm-hmm. uh, the something of the doll and the book are left behind uh, in the Jin's possession. So it's also like an allegory for PTSD. I mean, that's it's right. The best I can read that is you're you've you've gotten free of the of the um, threat, but it's it's still with you like you're carrying it or rather it's carried part of you um right with it and it's just going to affect you for the rest of your life because you're you've left those important things behind that are tying you to the the um situation right it could also be sequel bait as well (laughs) Uh, yeah i wouldn't i would i think this movie wraps itself up um very pretty nicely so yeah I wouldn't say that those were sequel ties. I think that that's just the director's way of not so subtly nudging you that they did not escape um, unharmed. Right. Like, exactly. like they're just cursed, basically. Yes. Uh, and that that uh, ties in well with this idea that the Jin, uh they're not an external possessing force. It's it's something that's buried in you now. Right. Right. Yeah. That even if you, yes, the one of the, one of the, the one of the thematic uh, elements that I've noticed is, is that you never actually completely get, uh, get free of their influence. And there's always something yeah. uh, left behind after an encounter. With Jin. Yeah. Well, and then even the, 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 the fact that they're, um, the Jin have been associated with mental disorders. Uh, the the protagonist of the fourth Dab film, um, the one that did survive, even though, even though he got a rock dropped on his head, uh, was like mentally unstable, like forever right. afterwards. So exactly. that that is part and parcel of dealing, I think, with these um, these these particular um, creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the sixth film doubles down on all of the things that <laughs> we've talked about um, before uh, in as much as I, I watched it. I actually, I got about uh, 30 minutes into a two hour and some change film. Um, it just did not stop 
with like the gore. Ah, it, it okay. Was, it, it's just too much. Um, but what it did do, and I did want to mention because I I will revisit Jin, but not in this um, fashion with these films uh, in the future. Um, the rituals that the fourth film and the fifth film of the Dobbs series um, talk about or deal with, they don't show generally the ritual. They show the um, uh, equipment or mm-hmm. the the toilet full of uh, <laughs> uh, gross things, um, all the yes. curse stuff. The mm-hmm. the opening of the sixth film, I would say watch that because it does a like five minute long, I'm going to show you the ritual. And then ah, you get okay. the, of, of building the things that make the curse. Right. So actually yes. what, what, what I would say that ties into is um, uh, the Saw films. Any, any portion, maybe the first Saw movie when Jigsaw's building the traps. Yes. And and it's that meticulous um, construction of something that you know is bad, but the way that they're taking the time and the devotion to do it is interesting. Yes, I guess. I do. So it's, it's worth it for that. that. And then you, just okay. get, then you just get hammered with a bunch of like blood. So <laughs> it's mileage may vary. I mean, that, maybe that's your thing. And then if that's the case, go watch um, Dab 6, The Dabbing. Um, I don't have anything else immediately on Jin. Was there anything I, I um, anything else you saw in the um the Legends of the Fire Spirits readings um that was uh, relevant? Uh, no, I think we covered most of it. Um, I did. Uh, I had uh, focused on the the uh the illness aspect more than, than anything, because I, I found that to be um, really interesting, especially because they're uh, in, in, in Dob five, there was a moment that I thought they were going to start addressing illness again. And that's, I think that's after she travels to the, the Jin plane and, uh, she pulls up her shirt and she has like these welts and and marks on her back. Um, yeah, yeah, and it looked like it looked like disease, not like the attack that she had suffered. But it's not really not really addressed as much in this film as it was in the in the four. Yeah, they spent they spent um, more time with well, it's literally the possession. So that. Um, that aspect of um, the the possessees being um, mentally uh, infirm and susceptible, therefore, is more susceptible to the the Jin possession, uh, was a thing. It, it's not right. as much in this, but like Under the Shadow, uh, Zerisin deals with um, the trials and difficulties that um, women have in these certain situations uh, dealing with societal constructs. Right. So how they deal with their, they're actually how it's framed with their, their relationship between themselves and their husband and their own agency versus what their husband in his role as husband is kind of set to do are very similar. Right. 
Um, right. Yeah. So it, I think it's worth looking at that. Um, were you to view these films that way? They're, they're, while they seem to be fairly straightforward in what they're doing under the shadow specifically, uh, is not a, um, like a one note film. You could watch this a few times and get something. You could read it a different way. Um, right. Each time, uh, you, the possession, um, that bore less. So, um, Zeri Sin, I think you could do the same thing and deconstruct it um, in in that way rather than as a horror film. So, right. Um, yeah. But uh, okay. yeah, I think that's probably. I think that probably might wrap us up for um, Jin this time. If we do come back, or I guess when we do come back. Um, Take a look at uh, Wishmaster, I think, like we mentioned before, because that's definitely a completely different way to look at it because it's the Western Hollywood lens. Um, yep. I I don't <laughs> recall that being... I don't know how informative <laughs> it's going to be on Shin Lore, but uh, um, I remember it being entertaining, so there, there's that. Right. Um, I, can, I, can, I can only tell you this from what I also... Wishmaster. It is not important in lore whatsoever, but it is amusing. So we'll see, and then we'll we'll try to tie that again um, together with maybe another chapter of, of this or one of the other books. Uh, I I will put links to the um, uh, bibliography uh, for this book again. Um, it wasn't the last episode, but just in case, didn't go back to do that one and do this one independently you will be able to track down the book i do recommend it uh, it is very lengthy it is 265 pages of jin goodness <laughs> um yeah uh all right leonard take us home all right this is where i do the wrap-up thing because i've been the host of this episode just to peek behind the curtain dave where can people find wow that was that was some a morning zoo nonsense right there. Dave, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, uh, primarily under uh, at sentinot underscore plus. Um, it will be in the notes as usual. And Leonard, uh, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Faust is dead. You can also find me on YouTube uh, also under at uh, Dr. Faust is dead as I continue to work on my video essay on why you should play the Evil Within 2, hoping to record all the voiceover for that today and uh, get started editing it. Um, and Dave, where can people find our wayward Cameron? They can find Cameron on Twitter as well at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Um, he if everything goes as planned, should be back with us next episode, at which we will also have a um, long-awaited guest uh, as we revisit werewolves um, once again. So look yes. forward to that, because I'm also looking forward to it, so it should be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess Leonard to mention, I think that wraps us up. So uh, from us, uh, that is bye-bye, folks. Later.